Hello and welcome to the Albion Obsessed podcast. You join us after our first game of the new Premier League season where we played against newly promoted Luton Town. It was a thrilling game, but before we get into any of that, let's see who we've got on the show today. We welcome Joe. Joe, my friend, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm all good, Tom. Absolutely buzzing with the first win. Um, came home last night, completely lost my voice. It's recovered today, luckily. Um, but that just goes to prove how out of sync we are in the off-season because you go to the first game, you shout in your head off, and you come home and you think, I should not have done that. Um, but no, I'm all good, mate. How are you? Yep, I'm doing really well, thank you. Three points on the board. Really excited, really excited to have football back. Um, so, yeah, it is good times. Uh, Dagan, our stateside correspondent, how are you feeling, my friend? How are you doing on this fine Sunday? I'm doing well, uh, despite wanting both Brentford and Spurs to lose. Uh, they drew, which was, you know, a happy medium, I suppose. Uh, but I'm thrilled with our result uh, yesterday. You know, some 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 rough spots, as, we, as we'll talk about, but uh, the result you can't argue with, and three points... Any three points is a good three points. So looking forward to next weekend. Ooh, always looking forward to next weekend already, Dagan. Love it. And um, we also welcome back Chloe. Chloe, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Still a little bit um, hoarse from shouting when we scored. Because, um, yeah, I did just go absolutely mental, as you should. Um, yeah, if, other than that, very good. Glad to hear it. So let's dive right in then, guys. Let's talk about the starting 11, shall we? Because there were a few surprises, uh, well, in my opinion anyway. So the starting 11 was Jason Steele in goal, a back four of James Milner, Jean-Paul Van Hecker, Dunk and Estupinier, and a midfield two of Pascal Gross and Mahmoud Dahoud, and then Solly March, João Pedro Matoma and Welbeck in the forward spaces. Um, a few surprises, as I say, Joe, for me, one being Billy Gilmore, who I thought would have been a nailed-on starter. So what did you make of the starting eleven for our first game of the season? Yeah, uh, Billy Gilmore, given how highly Zerby's spoken about him, I was thinking it's it's his spot. Moises Caicedo, obviously out of the squad. Um, so I was thinking, yeah, it's it's Billy's to take. Um, so, yeah, slightly surprised to see uh, a midfield two of Dahoud and Gross for two reasons, really. One, obviously, because Billy wasn't there. And I thought Milner would be in that spot and Gross would be at right back. So I was quite surprised to see James Milner at right back. But whenever James Milner's on the pitch, for like I think this is going to be a theme going forwards. Um, wherever he is on the pitch... I think you'll be comfortable. I think you'll be okay with it. Um, and we'll talk more about his performance, obviously, as we go on, because that boy is an absolute unit. I don't know where we found him. I don't know if he's a South American wonder kid, but my God, 22nd season in the Premier League, Tom. That is absolutely ludicrous. And it's props to him. Um, but yeah, that was the surprise. I, I thought Milner would be the workhorse in midfield rather than Pascal. Um, and got it for Billy to lose out. But obviously, Billy came on a little bit later. So there's a lot of names to get in there for Roberto. And uh, I've said before, thank God it's not me that has that headache because you've got a lot of players to keep happy. Yeah, you really do. And as you're right, we will certainly be talking about James Milner a lot more throughout this podcast because he was very, very good yesterday. And he didn't look anywhere near, what, 37, 38 years old? He looked like a mid-20-year-old midfielder. Uh, Dagan, Joe touched about on something there that I think it'd be good to come to you on this one. The strength in depth. It's a headache to have Roberto De Zerbi now. I mean, the bench yesterday was absolutely stacked. Um, so you've, you said in a tweet very well that it was a thing that people were worried about. Do you think people are still going to be worried about our depth given everything we're playing for this season? I think people in and like Deserby are not necessarily worried about our total depth. I think there may still be some worry about specific positional strength, um, particularly in that sort of Caicedo destroyer role. Um, and then maybe with sort of a, a true full-time right back. Um, and then probably third on the list is that left-footed right winger that I've talked so much about. But I, 
I don't know. And I think the other place, you know, as we look at our aging players, we may need some more homegrown quality guys. It'd be interesting to see if we try to pick one of those up late in the window as well. Um, yeah, I mean, Webster, Lalana, Lamptey, Ayari, and of course, Motor, who's injured. That's five guys who are quality, who were not on the team sheet at all, anywhere. Um, so it's not just the lineup decisions week to week. It's really going to be who's even available to play week to week, which again, it's not week to week. It's going to be you know every three or four days, I guess, where we have a match. Um, so guys really will get to rest, which I think is a beautiful thing. So I hope looking at what we have right now, the fears are allayed. Um, I think they should be. Yeah, you're spot on. I think there were times that last season where we uh, looked very light, especially towards the tail end of the season, which I suppose wasn't all that surprising. But Chloe, just really briefly on that depth, you know, Roberto De Zerbi has said that we don't have enough yet. We need to complete the squad. Um, were there any surprises for you in the starting eleven? And going off Roberto De Zerbi's comments, what positions do you think we still need to strengthen in? Well, I, I didn't expect Milner to start. Um, he did do very well in the friendly, I thought. Um, so it wasn't a complete surprise. But I thought Gross would play it right back and um, Gilmore would start in the midfield. Um, as for the depth we need, um, I think it's just certain players. I For right back, we've got Lamptey, who I think is a very good player, but he is a bit injury prone. And then we've also got Beltman, who... That isn't actually his position. He's a centre-back, and he does an amazing job there. But you still think maybe we would be better off if we had someone of Purvis's quality on at right-back as well. Um, other than that, I do think we'll need a Caicedo replacement um, because I don't think any of our other midfielders sort of do that defensive work as well as he does. Um, his tackles and interceptions were vital for us last season. Um, and I saw um, about the amount of times Luton got into our box. Um, I saw a tweet about it earlier. It was more than sort of other relegation threatened teams last season. Um, and thinking maybe that is because we didn't have a sort of Caicedo type midfielder cutting the ball out. Um, yeah, I think you said something similar in uh, pre-season, Dagan, about if, Caicedo uh, is on the pitch that goal doesn't happen so I think it's um, and I'm sure it's not lost on the club at all that you know that midfield destroyer role as Dagan call it uh, is still a necessity now Joe coming back to what Chloe says about that depth in right back um, Lamptey I'll, I'd argue and I, I have done on the pod before but he's not a right back he's a right wing back and I think they're they're a different role entirely now, Joel Veltman obviously has signed on for a new contract um, and he's played at right back before, but he's currently not playing there in favour of a midfielder, be that Pascal Gross. We saw Caicedo play there last season and now James Milner. If you're Joel Veltman, are you feeling a bit miffed? Yeah, um, slightly. I don't know. I think Joel Veltman's character is enough that he is happy to play whatever role Deserby needs. He wouldn't have signed the two year the new two year deal if he was unhappy with that. Um I think Chloe's spot on. I think his best position is centre back. Um and I think he's he's in amongst um a decent selection of centre backs to get that starting role. Only two can start. At fullback only one can start. Um with James Milner playing right back, again Chloe pointed out quite surprised to see him playing there. But I think if he was to start there every Premier League game and put in a performance like that, more than happy. More than happy. Even if we don't sign another right back. If he's going to play like that, we're, we're, we're okay. Especially with Veltman can chip in there. Lamptey, if he ever recovers, can, can chip in there. So I, I don't think it's as much of a worry as people are, are, are saying. Uh, but that's just my opinion. Um, but ag again, something else Chloe said, imagine a Purvis, a Stupinian inverted on that side would be unreal. And I think that's the missing link. So would I be against us signing another right back? Absolutely not. 
Would I be devastated if we don't? Absolutely not. I think either way, we we are okay, whatever happens. Yep, very fair. Go on, Tegan. I've, I've had some really interesting conversations around this because I've been advocating for the same thing that you are, Joe. And I think the, the counterpoint that, and again, I, I tend to agree with you. I I feel like Purvis's quality both going forward and his strength at the back when he's there is tremendous. I've heard a case made that, you know, people fear we'd be a little like Ange Ball today if both of those guys are plowing forward and we're, we're just too vulnerable to the back. Um, and I think, you know, maybe there's a happy medium where they're in rotation, right? So Purvis doesn't have to lead the Premier League by 76 sprints. Did you guys hear that that yesterday? I guess you were at the game. You didn't hear it on the broadcast. But on the broadcast, Purvis had, and again, he missed the first few games. He wasn't with us. 76 more sprints forward than any other player in the Premier League last year. Um, that doesn't seem sustainable, right? Because <laughs> uh, he's, I think, about to turn 26. Um you, you would hope we could find some way to relieve him from the pressure of running more than everyone else in the Premier League. Although I guess we've added Milner, who's famous for running more than anyone else in the Premier League. So maybe that is the plan. Um, but yeah, I, I offer that counterpoint only because, you know, we agree on this topic. But I, Chloe, I think you're right. I would love to see someone of the quality of purpose. And I think the team could decide what what type of player that is. But if we could have someone there who was stable as a number one what a gift that would be so i think it's a good shot by you i do think it's quite interesting because it does seem to be the fashion at the moment to have one of your players at the back be they a right back or a center back then drift into midfield we've seen it with john stones we've seen it with trent alexander arnold um so when you're in attack it's a three at the back obviously with purvis it wouldn't be a three at the back it'd be i don't even know but having you say that dagan gave me horrible flashbacks to a certain Finnish manager we had several years ago. And and it was just suicidal football. Um, So yeah, let's, let's see um, how that one goes uh, in terms of coming. We've still got three weeks left of the transfer window. And I know there's a certain transfer saga that we all want to be over as soon as possible, which will hopefully mean we can look forward instead of back. So let's talk about the game then, shall we? Let's actually talk about the game that we're here to analyse. I don't think it was anyone's surprise, Chloe, that in the first half we had a lot of chances against the newly promoted team. Um, In fact, very early, uh, Lewis Dunk had our very first opportunity. We're heading over from across from Dahoud and Pedro also had multiple chances. Uh, What did you make of our early attacking threat? I was thinking, oh, God, it's one of those days, isn't it? But um, I think we were just lacking a bit of sharpness. I almost wonder if we didn't really have enough friendlies. I don't know if four is sort of standard, but I do feel that we were lacking sharpness, particularly in the first half, sort of got more into it as the game went on. Um, But, yeah, I think missing chances on your sort of Premier League debut isn't too much of a concern I can forgive Pedro for that especially as he had a good game otherwise um and it wasn't one of those days thankfully but it did feel like it could be yeah definitely I think if you look at back through all the chances I mean Welbeck could have scored several Pedro could have scored several we hit the post multiple times which which we will of course talk about in a bit but Joe I mean let's talk about João Pedro then because he's had a very exciting pre-season he looks the real deal yesterday um it seemed like he was going to get multiple multitude of chances but none of them just seemed to be going in um but the lad kept his head up and of course we will talk about his goal from the penalty spot a bit later um but what did you make of João Pedro in that first half he was lively. He was getting involved. Um, he didn't look uh, scared of the occasion. Um, he looked up for it right from the start. And I think that's all you can ask. Um, as Chloe said, um, I don't think there were were, were many faults. For, for me, I'd be more scared if he wasn't getting those chances, if he wasn't getting into those positions and he was getting bullied off the ball left, right and centre and sort of lets the occasion take over him. But um, I was very impressed um, and I just wanted him to to get that first goal because we all know how, what goals can do 
foot for a player. We saw Solly March after he scored his first goal last season. And that was his first goal in something crazy, like two years. And then he went on to score loads. Um, so I think it was deserved that he would take the penalty. And obviously I think that he he's going to be become the regular penalty taker. Um, I was a little bit surprised that James Milner wasn't the one to step up, to be honest. I think if uh, James Milner was on the pitch when we're given a penalty, his penalty record is unbelievable. But glad that Jal Pedro has the confidence to take that ball, look straight down the barrel of the net and, and, and put it, you know. I thought when the goalkeeper clipped it on his hand, because I was like right in line with it. Um, when the goalkeeper clipped on his hand, it went in slow motion and I just needed that net to rustle. Um, and thank God it did. And, and Jao Pedro's off the mark. And I think we could see a really exciting goal scoring season for him. Dagan, how important is it, in your opinion, that Jao Pedro has gotten off the mark very early? Well, as early as possible, really, um, because obviously in some situations, if you go games without scoring, it can sort of build up and mentally you start getting that mental block. So how important do you feel um, it'll be for Jao Pedro that he's got that goal very early. I certainly think it helps. It, it can't hurt. Um, and I'm glad he made the pen. I think, you know, having a perfect record last year, if we missed our first uh, in the in the PL, you know, uh, we had a perfect record on pens last year with McAllister. Missing our first would be pretty crushing, um, especially after he missed the easy chance. So I think in that sense, it was huge that he converted there. Not only did he draw the penalty, there were two others that were near penalties. And I would say this is um, every time I've seen us play and him on the pitch, he's been the best player on the pitch every single time. He's he's going to be tremendous. I think his goal involvements, you know, will be at a minimum in the 20 to 25 range. I know that's going to shock people, but he's so unselfish. And that makes him much, much more of a threat is because he will make that extra pass. Um, and we could talk a little about, you know, a time where he probably should have had a goal yesterday, but was missed um by his by his up top partner let's talk about that up top partner then chloe because you know on the face of it you could say that yesterday we set up in a 442 um which is perhaps different from our 4231 that we've seen uh, what did you make of the welbeck jao pedro partnership welbeck got a fair bit of flack from some of our fans on twitter yesterday no surprise um so what did you make of it chloe um, I think what you've got to remember, they've only had a sort of handful of games to sort of get to know each other. Um, obviously, there was that occasion when, was it Webster collided with De Hood? Was it Webster? Well, Sorry, yeah, well back. They, they collided with each other and well, but it was like, I want a penalty. And it was like, oh, you just hit De Hood, mate. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I do think... I do think there'll be a good partnership going forward. I think it's just a matter of, you know, sort of learning to... There was one chance um, with where Welbeck shot and maybe he should have squared it to Jao Pedro, who was in a better position to shoot. Um, but I do think it's just a matter of getting to know each other's game and maybe they should have communicated a little bit better. Maybe Jao Pedro should have, you know, called that he wanted the ball. I don't know if he did or not. I can see um when i watch rewatched it um but yeah i think i think it's a good partnership going forward i think yeah. if if Sorry. people want to know about strike partnerships there's a little bit of uh, a segment of daniel sturridge talking about it after a chelsea game last season and he spoke about his strike partnership with luis suarez um and how much they worked on knowing where each other were going to be, knowing when to pass the ball, knowing when to have a shot themselves. And it was a really interesting piece of punditry. Um, so if that piques anyone's interest, go go and search it up. It's it's really good watch. Yeah, and it's uh, partnerships and what you're saying there, Joe, about knowing where each other are going to be, that's not going to happen in a preseason. That's going to take hours upon hours of playing alongside one another. Um, and I think Jao Pedro said in an interview um at the end of preseason, that he was really looking forward to building that partnership with Danny Welbeck. Um, you know, we'll talk a bit more about the sort of the chances a bit in a minute. Um, but no, I think that's just important to remember. You know, those partnerships they do take time. If you look at the best, some of the best strike partnerships we've ever seen. You know, Henri and Burkamp, uh, Dwight York and Andy Cole. They played together so 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 much 
They just instinctively knew where each other were going to be. It's going to take time. Let's talk about our opponents then, Joe. Let's give let's give a bit of a spotlight to Luton Town because we said in our pre-match sort of chat um, with a Luton podcast that we thought they'd come out of the traps really early and they would put pressure on us. And that first half, Joe, it wasn't easy for us. I mean, you know, Lewis Dunk and Jean-Paul Van Hecker, they did have their work cut out because they were a very physical uh, front pairing for Luton. Uh, what did you make of our opponents in their first game in the Premier League? I thought they were they they were doing the jobs that they had to do. Um, I think their manager set them up really well. Um, I think maybe their manager sort of thought if we do, we go out of the traps really quick here. Brighton can catch us on the counter. We're we're one down before we know it. Um, and then you saw what happened yesterday. Once we scored our first, I think we were a little bit more comfortable up until their penalty. But you know, even their penalty was a bit dubious. Um, but that's a whole other talking point. Um, but I thought they did quite well, to be honest. And um, I just got a shout out to their fans because their fans were absolutely class, sung from the first minute right to the last, um, and even at full time. Like they just lost four one, um, and. Freed from Desire was playing and they were having a whale of a time in the away end. Um, and that's what I said to the guys that I, I went on their podcast. I said, enjoy every moment because we were where they were. And I'm sure that if it was our first game in the Premier League against a club that had just got into Europe and we'd gone out there and put on the performance that they did, I think even our podcast title doesn't really give them the credit because I thought they were good throughout. Um, and there's lots of moments where they can improve. Um, I think it was just a lot of naivety, which led to to our goals inevitably, um, especially Simon Adinger as one. Um, but, you know, I, I think, I think they've got a lot to learn and if they don't learn it quickly, they will be in trouble. But I think their manager is good enough to to teach them the lesson quick enough. Yeah, I mean, there were certainly no slouches. I mean, Dagan, they were they were posing a threat on the counter-attack and they were actually quite good at utilising the space that was left behind Purvis when he pushed forward as well as he does. As he does. Uh, so what did you make of uh, Premier League newcomers? Well, I, I will say, one, Dave was exactly right with his six new player starters. He named all six correctly. So kudos to, to Dave the, from the Luton podcast who was on uh, with us last uh, last time. Um, Kobore, especially on the right, I thought was excellent, making life really difficult for Matoma. And he was really excellent going forward. Um, he's a city loanee. You would expect he has a lot of talent, but I thought he acquitted himself really, really well. Um, I, I'd read a little bit and knew that he was very capable going forward. He's uh, sitting on my, my first ever fantasy Premier League bench right now. Um, but I went ahead and got him in my lineup because I thought the upside was high. Uh, but he, I was really impressed with him. And Giles acquitted himself well on the other side too. Um, and I think really if we look at this game, again, I'm supposed to be talking about Luton here, but they did a really nice job containing Matoma and March, except for that one flash that led to the first goal um, where Matoma you know, put a beautiful cross in and March just you know, outplayed whoever was in front of him there for, to win that header. I think their physicality as well will pose a lot of threats for teams because they were getting some really good crosses in. Um, Dave pointed out Giles on the left-hand side can put in a really good cross um, and, and he was doing it all game long. Um, and I think had our defenders not been as switched on as they are um, and would not have Milner and that structure that you get from Milner and Dunk, I think there could have been a lot of goals headed in from Clinton. Mor Is it Clinton Morris? Morris? whatever his name is. Yeah, um, was a, yeah I thought they were quite physical. You're right. We gave up a ton of corners. Or they earned a ton of corners. Um, yeah, but I mean, there was a moment, I think it was in the second half, where Morris really should have scored, um, but didn't. And as you say, Joe, that's like the, the clinical nature of the Premier League. And their manager said it after the game. You've got to take your chances at this level. Um, Chloe, let's talk about taking chances then. Let's talk about the goal, the first goal of our season scored by Solly March. Um as I think, you know, Dagan, you've just said, Luton were very good at containing Matoma in March until they didn't. And as soon as they switched off for just a moment, we pounced and we managed to score our first goal. It was a fantastic cross from Matoma and March gets a rare headed goal. What did you make of our first Premier League goal of the season? Yeah, it was just really good. Um, a header from Solly March, 
Um, I think he scored one last season, but it's still something that surprises me because, you know, he wasn't scoring at all under he must he, he who must not be named. Um, and now he's scoring with his head and he's not the tallest player either, um, but it was a great finish from him and it was an equally great cross from Matoma. Um, put the ball exactly where March wanted it and, um, yeah, he did well to get to it first and then it's 1-0. Yeah, I was a bit relieved, I can't lie. Um, I was thinking, oh, phew, we finally scored. <laughs> Maybe it won't be one of those days. Um, but, yeah, I just thrilled to be one nil up. I was going to ask you guys, I mean, there were times where the the crowd was deathly silent, silent yesterday, um, at least to the broadcast. Um, and I even saw some comments on Twitter about about that. You know what? What's it like when you have that feeling of dread that you were talking about, Chloe? Where it's like, is it going to be one of those days? And then that goal goes in. Can you like? Can you describe for those of us who haven't been in the MX? Uh, what What is it like when that happens? Like, there you yeah. go. That's a good example of it. <laughs> it's just what the moment the actual goal goes in. Yeah. I don't know. You just everyone jumps up and screams and shouts and makes their voice go. Um, it's pure and then relief. Worries it's going to be um, offside because you can't see up <laughs> that, there. That is exactly it. I I didn't celebrate that much in the first goal because I was thinking because because I was obviously you're down my end as well, Chloe. It was the other end, so I'm thinking I'm not going to celebrate too much because any moment now that stupid purple yeah. sign is going to go up on that stupid big screen and tell me that I can't celebrate a goal. Um, and luckily there was no VAR check. And and that's when you could actually sit down and go, thank God for that. <laughs> like yeah. we're, we're, we're okay. It's, it's when Richie Reynolds announces over the Tannoy goal scorer for the Albion, Solly March. And you're like, okay, thank God for that. Cause obviously he's in the know whether there's a check going on. He doesn't want to embarrass himself. So I think Tom summed it up, just pure relief. Yeah. yeah. I think it's worth remembering as well. I know that Brighton, Brighton's home crowd gets memed a lot, but our away support is always fantastic. And as a home crowd, we've, all, we've always, for as long as I've supported the album, so, you know, a, a fair old while now, we've always been a very reactionary crowd. And if there's not much really going on on the pitch, the crowd are very, very quiet. And, it's and it rubs off. difficult to start songs off as, as well, so... I think it rubs off on everyone else as well that's around you. So you get one person feeling anxious, they'll feel anxious, and the whole ground eventually will start to feel anxious. And then and then that's when you don't feel like standing up, singing, and giving your support because you're nervous yourself. And then you don't want to give that off to the players, but there's no doubt they feel it. But obviously they proved us wrong yesterday because they shut us up. Well, they didn't shut us up. They made us loud again. Yeah, that's a nice way of putting it. But Joe, before we get into the loudness of it all, we went into the halftime break at 1-0. I don't think it's unfair for me to say that we really could have scored four or five. And I think at halftime, perhaps I was being very reactionary, but I wasn't best pleased with our finishing because I think, and I get it's the first game and, you know, there's still sharpness to come. So I I get it. And I'm not one of these people that's going to go on Twitter and all caps and say, get out of my club, blah, 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 blah. But I was posing a question to you and everyone in the group chat, really. And that was, did we let Undav, who I believe is probably the most clinical of the finishers at the club, did we let him go too soon? And should we have kept him? Uh, I love Dennis Undav. I really admired his attitude towards the position he was in um, and the fact that he was out of favour and he fought his way back and scored, what, five goals in eight games at the end of last season? Absolutely fantastic. I, I think... And a great one in pre-season as well. Really good one. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, he will be a big miss um, eventually when... Uh, squad depth gets to us um, and we're screaming out for another option. But I think it's not cause for concern that the finishing wasn't quite there yesterday. I don't think that's, I don't think it is, oh, we need Dennis and Dav in that situation. I think it's very much what Chloe said. First game. And again, as long as we're creating the chances, I'm okay with it. Um, 
if some of the chances go in, which they did. So I don't think there's overly cause for concern with Dennis and Dav not being around. But I would absolutely love if he was in that position as well. Um, so I hope that's given a, a balanced answer on, yeah. Yeah, I, I would just add Joe and Tom. Uh, I think Undav deserves better than being the fourth choice. And I think our club felt that way. Uh, you know, if he was willing to stay and be the fourth choice, knowing he was the fourth choice, then maybe fine. But, um, you know, I think there are going to be times where Jao Pedro is at the nine. And given that fact, I think there's just not a lot of room for for Dennis. And he he was great. I mean, he, he really came on at the end of the season. And I think if if we were just comparing players and Welbeck wasn't Welbeck and he didn't have the history and the reputation and the leadership, right? If we were just talking about skills, I think I think a lot of us, not all of us, but I think a lot of us might choose Undav over Welbeck. But I think it's all of those intangible things that Welbeck brings to the club and to the team and to the younger guys that made him the third choice, even though he's the first choice. Um, but I don't think anybody would pick him over Ferguson or Pedro at this point. Um, so I think, think we didn't have I room think, for both those guys. I think Danny Welbeck is the first choice for Roberto De Zerbi. I think he sees what Danny Welbeck can bring in leadership up front. Um, and I think he does it well. Um, obviously, people get frustrated when he misses the chances that he misses, um, but there is also no doubt that he can score a few goals when we need him to. Um, but as you say, Dagan, I think us fans feel differently towards, would you have Ferguson over Welbeck? Yes. Um, but I think we have to accept that in Deserby's mind, Welbeck is first choice if he's fit. Yeah, and that's fair. Yeah, I, I'm not convinced that's true, but I'll, I hear you. I, I, I mean, just because he started the first game, like I think he's got to pick his spots where to use Ferguson because he's 18. Um, and it'll be interesting to see as this season wears on in the biggest of games, in the biggest of moments, you know, who does he have out there? Um, and a lot of times, you know, as a coach, I would say it's not who starts the game, it's who finishes it a lot of times um, in a close game. And I know basketball and soccer are different sports, but uh, – at this point, I, I think Ferguson is the closer. I hope that's something we can touch on, Tom, is the the finishes that we've got to come off the bench because that's ridiculous. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Of course we will. We'll get on to that. But we haven't even started talking about the second half yet. So let's start talking about that because, Chloe, the second half started really brightly. It started very similarly to the way that the first half ended. Uh, Brighton had some fantastic opportunities. Pascal Gross hit the post after Jao Pedro drew a free kick from showing some sublime skills. And then once again, Jao Pedro at the heart of the action into what many are saying is a dubious penalty call. The Luton player, I think it was Tom Lockyer, uh, has his arm across Jao Pedro, who goes down. For you, Chloe, was it clumsy defending or was it a soft penalty? Or was it just a bit of both? Yeah, I, I do think it was a bit of both. Um but, you know, his arm was across him and the ref gave it. I think when the ref gives that, VAR is not going to overturn it because it's not clear and obvious. Um, so I do think a penalty was probably a fair decision. Um, and I think they got a soft one up the other end. If so, Even soft, to be honest, their one. Um, but I'm sure we'll get onto that. But I did think it was a penalty. And um, obviously, Pedro did well to put it away. Um, I always think sometimes it's it's harder when you're the player fouled um, taking the penalty. Sometimes I think that it should be the player fouled that takes the penalties, um, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, yeah. Yeah, they, I, I was always led to believe it was supposed to be bad luck for the player who wins the penalty to take the penalty. Obviously, I, I'm not one for superstition, but... Jao Pedro obviously isn't either then, Joe, because as Chloe says, you know, he steps up, he puts it into the net. The goalkeeper, I think he does get a hand to it, but it's just too powerful for, Jao Pe um, for him to keep out the Jao, Jao Pedro effort. And, and as we said already, you know, Jao Pedro gets on the score sheet in his first start in the league. Big moment for him. 2-0 up. Things are looking peachy. 
Yeah, nice to see a smile on his face as well because uh, I think from the preseason games, whenever he scored, I think he's maybe scored one, did he? Or two. Um, he, obviously, because it's a preseason game, he does, probably doesn't overly care. He's just happy that he's put it away. But I don't think he smiled. Um, so it was nice to see him happy and celebrating with the team and really taking in the North Stand, celebrating his first Premier League goal uh, for Brighton. Um, and... You know, you're 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 onto a winner when you've got off the mark in in, in your first game. So, uh, I think the next goal's got to come soon for him to keep up this momentum. Momentum's everything for a striker, um, and w- we could very well see him starting in the the more advanced role. Um, but then, who do you have behind him? Is that NC? So, Deserby, your job is so difficult, mate. I'm so sorry. You've got too many players to choose from, but I love it. Um, like we sat there and you're like. We've got Matoma, we've got March, the, the things are going great. Oh, look, there's a Dingra. Oh, we've not even seen in CISO yet. Or, what, a, so what a time. Or Have Adam I missed Lallana? someone? Because I exactly. still maintain every time Adam Lallana steps on that pitch, he's one of the best players out there. Oh, he's so good. He is an absolute dream to have at our football club. And we've got another one of him in James Milner. Um, I, I joke and say, oh, look, it's the England national squad retirement home. But my gosh... They are bloody good footballers. Scenes when they do the Milner, Lalana Buzz's boot room quiz. Make it happen. Make it happen. Uh, Petition Dagan, in the description below. Dagan, before we go down the other end, let's just get your opinion. Was it a penalty for Brighton? I I agree with Chloe entirely. That that soft, questionable. I think if the defender doesn't go over, and the commentator said this, it's not it's not a penalty. But the defender kind of falling over on top of him, being clumsy, even though the contact initially was minimal, I think that probably was the difference in the call. And to Chloe's point, you know, not enough for VAR to overturn um, once it was called to the field. Now, it wouldn't be a brand new Premier League season if we're not going to talk about VAR, would it? No, of course not, because talking about one questionable penalty, let's go down the other end, Chloe, and talk about the other questionable penalty. Uh, Cross into the box, bounces onto Lewis Dunk's back as he's sliding in, and as it bounces up the other side, it hits his elbow, and it's given as a penalty. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I don't really know what he's supposed to do there, short of chopping his arms off. So, um, yeah, never a penalty for me. Um, I saw a similar, I can't remember which game it was, but when I was watching Match of the Day, I saw a similar call in a, another game and it wasn't given. Um, so, yeah, I do find the refereeing decisions is just inconsistent, which is what annoys me. Um so yeah, soft penalty for me, um, and I don't think it should have been a penalty at all, to be honest. No, it's like as you say, what is Dunk supposed to do, Joe? Are we starting? Are we going to have to start getting rid of people's arms, you know, to 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 stop this? Because it seems utterly ridiculous. That's a completely natural position for Dunk's arm to be in. It's not like there's a Luton Town player in the box ready to tap it in. Make it make sense, Joseph. I can't. How how do you make VAR make sense? You just don't. Um, I don't want to sit here and moan about it too much because, as you say, it's the first Premier League game. <sighs> do we really have to be starting moaning about VAR now? Yes. Yes, because it's affected the game. But, oh. no, it's not a penalty. It's just not. What is Lewis Dunk to do? What is a man to do? He's got his body in the way. And it's it's similar to the Alexis one last season at, at Spurs when he's turned his body away and it's hit his bum and then hit his hand. What what can he do? He's like this, and Lewis Dunk's like this. Oh, it's stupid. Joe, I've got a way that we can make VAR make sense. Dagan, I, I think you've seen it because I think you shared it with the group. Uh, the video that is circulating on Twitter of VAR decision-making in French football. Total transparency with the referee... And those watching the footage, you can hear every single word. Is this the only way we are going to stop VAR inconsistencies? Because a statistic from League One last season was that 83% of major errors were corrected due to VAR last season. 83%. Is this the only way, Dagan? 
there's may not be the only way, but it surely seems like a better way to what we're getting where there's no transparency. There's no reasonable explanation. The rules don't seem consistently applied. The standard of clear and obvious is a mystery. And, you know, listening to a conversation between, you know, the VAR officials and the on-field official will at least give you a sense of how this conclusion was reached, which if, if nothing else, if there really are errors being made in judgment and use of the technology, you know, that becomes transparent for everybody and we can understand what went wrong. Um, and Joe, I think it's, you know, while it may seem like piling on to say this was ridiculous that we gave up this goal, it's certainly not sour grapes. It doesn't hurt us that we gave up this goal. We have no other reason to complain about it. So it's a great opportunity to say, this is just a chance to complain about VAR itself. It didn't affect us, didn't hurt us, but just do better. Like Premier League, you're the biggest, best league in the world, do better, right? <laughs> just doesn't seem an unreasonable ask that we, we shouldn't be looking at other leagues and saying, wow, look how right they're getting it and how wrong we're getting it. That doesn't that doesn't make sense. Um, yeah. And it, I just yeah. Say, Jagan, biggest and best league in the world. And yet just, the, the Australian league does it better than we do. The thing the that's infuriating is that the technology is there ready to be used. It is right there. It's not in development. There's no nothing like Howard Webb's come out and said, yeah, we should do it. Bloody do it then. Implement it. Just put a microphone on them. It really isn't hard. I can do it. If I can do it, the top people in the Premier League can do it. It's a joke. That it is. It is not the first time we're going to complain about it. And it certainly won't be the last. You can guarantee it. You can come back to the end of the season. We'll clip this little bit I'm saying here right now and we'll stick it on because I'm (laughs) sure we'll moan about it a lot more coming up. Um, just before we talk about the next goal, I just want to talk about the subs, Chloe, um, because we made a, a raft of changes in that second half, um, one of which being Simon Dingra and Billy Gilmore coming on um, for Dehoud and March. And I just wanted to get your thoughts as someone who was in the game about you know, Mo Dehoud's first game in the Premier League, because some people on, on the Twitter, I mean, sorry, not Twitter, X, have said that our midfield looked quite light. And I think that's a fair comment to say, you know, we don't have that Caicedo at the moment. But Dahoud seemed to have a, a a good game last night, very silk last night, yesterday, very silky with his passing. Um, what did you make of his performance? Yeah, I thought he was good. He was involved in a lot of our build-up play. Um, I believe it was him that passed the ball to Matoma for our first goal. Um, and I did think, yeah, he looked looked solid. Um, Maybe he he's not the same sort of role as a Caicedo. Um, I don't think we really have any one in that Caicedo type role. Um, so maybe that's why our midfield seemed light. Um, but I think he did well in the role he was given, and um, look forward to seeing more of him. Yeah, I, I would echo that. I think he's got an exciting future ahead at Brighton. Um, he was supposed to be the next Gundogan um, at Borussia Dortmund. So let's see what we can do with him. Joe, just really quickly, what did you make of Dahoud's performance yesterday? I love him. I think he's absolutely fantastic. The work rate he puts in never gives up. He's everywhere. He's defending. He's getting involved with attacks. It's exactly what you want. Um, And any little fault that anyone saw yesterday from him, I hope Deserby can coach it out of him. And I've got full faith that he will. There's a very, very, very good player in there. And we've got the best coach possible to bring that out of him. So very impressed. Been impressed with him all preseason. Um, and I think he's only going to grow as the season goes on. Yeah, there's a lovely video of like Deserby and, you know, hand, shaking hands with the players after the game yesterday. And then he gives the Hood this massive hug. It's really nice. Really wholesome content. Oh, um, that was a great moment. I was going to say the same thing. It's a great moment. Um, you could see something in that. Something of, you know you're here uh you belong um and i thought he yeah he earned it um it's interesting what i was gonna say is you know, yeah there's no caicedo and i was thinking about this yesterday in the game we have sort of all of our current deeper lying midfielders they're all eights they're all eights and we're sort of playing two eights together and letting them take turns being the six depending upon the situation where one will drop back and try to recover they're both expending a lot of energy they're both tracking back sometimes they're sliding into coverage for the right back. Um, they're putting in a lot of work, those guys. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see. I, I hope we get the six in. Um, certainly we can rotate and use this kind of lineup um, against opponents 
that maybe we're stronger than. But I think it's going to be a real test to our defense the way we plow forward if we don't have someone who can make up for the the mistakes and break up counterattacks in particular. Yeah, I think that's that's very fair and um, you know a, a really astute observation because and I said this with all due respect. There's one thing doing it against Luton, and we saw last season against a very poor Wolves side. But when you go up against teams that have got a very good midfield, we might come a cropper there. So just be mindful of that. Um, let's talk about the third goal then, um, because Simon Adingra, who comes on off the bench for his first goal, uh, first appearance, sorry, for, for the club, he pounces on a defensive Mix up Joe at the back, Luton Town at sixes and sevens, and he hammers home on the half volley. Simon has looked very exciting in preseason, really strong. In fact, I was even considering him starting him instead of Matoma uh, because I was that impressed with his preseason. What did you make of the goal, Joe, and you know Simon's brief cameo? No, I agree. Um, just to touch on Matoma, I think I said it either on the space or on the po- previous podcast that we did that I hope it's a case of he's not giving everything in preseason and he turns it on when it really matters. And I thought Matoma was flawless yesterday. I really, really enjoyed him. Um, yeah, that's actually, can I just fully... quickly say, Joe, I, want, I just want to say as well, I, I do agree. I thought Matoma was very, very good yesterday. So me saying, oh, I think Simon should have started was based on the preseason, but Matoma, yeah. excellent yesterday. Definitely. Um, But as I said earlier in the podcast, what an amazing thing we have to bring these players off the bench. And Odingra is explosive. He is unbelievable. And the boy can finish as well. We saw that in preseason. But from that angle, it was he didn't have much to shoot at at all. Um, He completely acted instinctively. um, And then bang, goal. Um, And yeah, it was an absolute howler from the... Luton defender, but if you if you're gonna have players that act on that so quickly, happy days. Because in the past you would have seen some of our attackers maybe be a little bit more indecisive and and not take the shot the first time and and think about it too much and maybe try and square it. But Simon Adingra has pounced on the mistake, bang goal, and then we're we're pretty much out of sight. Yeah, it was a really well-taken goal. And I don't know, his smile, man, it's that damn smile and his little uh, celebration. I just, yeah, I just like it. I like him already. Let's put it that way. He's made one, like, proper cap cap uh, appearance for us, and I like him already. There's just something about him. He's just, again, exciting players. And Dagan, as Joe just said, we've got a host of exciting players. You said already, sometimes it's not about the guys who start. It's about the guys who finish. You know, Billy Gilmore came on. Um, a dinger came on. Uh, Evan Ferguson came on. We've got a really exciting bench that can come on and finish the game. And boy, did we finish the game yesterday! Yeah, we did. Uh, and I, I don't think that was just, you know, Luton's new to the Premier League and they're not ready. I think it's we had the ball seventy plus percent of the game, and any team is gonna struggle to deal with, you know, teams aren't going to change out their whole back line. They're not going to change out their whole midfield. And when we bring on the quality of subs that we're going to consistently be able to bring on, no matter who starts, uh, it's it's going to be a problem. So I think there could be a lot of games won late this year um, where it looks like we're trying to break through. And then, you know, we bring on <laughs> the likes of these guys that just are dogged and relentless and have a nose for the goal. And that's, it's just a lot of fun. I mean, the the second goal, I know we haven't talked about it yet, but Adingra almost had two. Snatched that goal from him. Uh, not intentionally, right? I mean, it was right for him to go for the ball, but Adingra was going to be there if he wasn't. Um, just, just, yeah, just a lot of fun. Just a yeah. lot of fun. I would have loved to have seen him maybe 10 minutes earlier, but. Yeah, but I'd say Nciso came on, but it was like on the 88th minute. And I know we had some extra time, which we'll talk about in a minute because of the new rule change. But Nciso, a dingra coming on. If you Imagine you're a tired defender and you've got a, a fresh Billy Gilmore who's able to thread passes wherever he wants. You've got Evan Ferguson, who is an absolute beast. You've got a dingra and Nciso who are direct and pacey. You are going to look at that and think, oh, damn, I'm in for a tough, tough time i mean chloe before he he did score ferguson hit the post um he just turned and shot it was an instinctive 
shot from the lad. He is so exciting, such an exciting young player. And I think they were they were gushing over him on match of the day yesterday. Um, he got our fourth, slid in, made it 4-1. Is this going to be a big year for young Evan? Yeah, I think so. I think he's going to get quite a few goals. Um, that finish, I just loved how he just flung himself at the ball. Um, just real sort of desire to get get goals, I think he has. And um, yeah, he's just played so well whenever he's on the pitch. And um, you you think he can score. He's one of those players, he's on the pitch, you think, yeah, he's, he's going to get a goal. Because um, he's just so good at getting into those positions. And um, yeah, we've got lots of creative talent to um, get him the ball in those positions. And I just think it's so exciting. You look at the players we had on the bench. Um, I think Ferguson had the most goals by a teenager last season. Um, and then we also have Nciso, who scored the Premier League goal of the season and also got a few other goals. Um, it's just so exciting. And they're all so young. I, it makes me feel old. Um seeing all these youngsters um, come through. But I think it's really exciting. Um, and I do think, um, was it old Lineker saying that he wants Ferguson to at Spurs for Kane's replacement? Go away. Just leave us alone, please. Can we just have a player for five minutes without someone trying to buy them? Like, seriously? Um, but, yeah, that's on that. And you just knew that when a Dingra scored just going back, you know, when a Dingra scored yesterday, you just knew there were going to be all the tweets of where have Brighton spawned him from? But Pedro's what, 21? He's 21. A Dingra's 20, something like that. And then Ferguson's like 18. It's just ridiculous. And I think Brighton made up the majority of the goals scored by teenagers last season. Joe, I know you want to have your say on the match of the day comments, but also speak, if you can, about just how exciting this young Brighton squad is. It's very exciting. And they're under the best manager that they could be under right now. I don't think I've ever seen a manager be this way towards the youngsters that are coming through and give them so much confidence to almost like the, the age old comment. If you're good enough, sorry, if what's the word, if you're good enough, you're old enough. enough. Yeah. Yeah. And this links on to what I want to say about the match of the day comments. Evan Ferguson has spoken very highly of what he's doing at Brighton and how he's keeping his feet on the ground and how he is in the best possible moment he could be in playing under a fantastic manager that believes in him. Take him out of that environment. You run the risk of ruining what could be a fantastic career. And I'm not saying that Tottenham would absolutely ruin him. But putting that pressure on a young lad to take him out of that system and say you're the Harry Kane replacement, one, it's disrespectful to Brighton because we've just qualified for European football. You could argue that at the moment we are a better club to be at than Tottenham Hotspur. I don't think Tottenham will qualify for Europe this season as well. I think they're a club in total disarray. And to say, I'll take him out of that system to go and play at completely new to the league, Ange Postanogli, whatever his name is. I think it's just completely disrespectful. One, to Evan Ferguson, who's been so good, and two, to Brighton, because of the journey we're on. And just to say, oh, just because it's Tottenham. Look at that hole that Harry Kane's left. Evan Ferguson, probably the closest player to him, strike striker-wise in the Premier League, and that's credit to Evan. But to put that pressure on the, the young lad and, and, and to dub him that, I don't think it's fair. Um, but that's just me probably trying to protect a, a young, very exciting footballer at our football club. But I think it's really disrespectful towards us. To be fair, I don't think Daniel Levy would even consider going for Evan Ferguson because if we're going to sell Caicedo for 100 plus million, think of the price tag that we're going to put on young Evan. Mm, that's going to be fun when it eventually does happen. Um, one player, Dagan, that I have to mention here then, because he got the assist for Evan Ferguson's goal, it's Purvis Estupinian. Um, I thought he was absolutely phenomenal um, yesterday. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. Um, I'm, I'm really annoyed that he got a yellow card in the first half for having the audacity to stand still. Um, 
But generally speaking, Purvis, he's just going from strength to strength. And I think yesterday he had a really good game. What did you make of our Ecuadorian left back? He's, I mean, you can make a case right now. He might be our most important player just, just because of the shifts he put puts in and, and how much he plays, how far he runs, as I said earlier. Um, he, he makes a lot of it work. His partnership with Matoma is incredible. Um, I think, you know, whoever fills sort of that left side of the midfield more often and making that triangle with those two, it's going to be really, really key. Um, he had a great partnership with Caicedo in that way. And I think that's, that's something we'll have to rebuild with whoever comes in um, who's new, but he, yeah, he's just reckless enough uh for whatever is called for whether it's a you know saving tackle or you know just plowing up the field um and then his ability to cross the ball in is is really really great um so i thought he deserved to to be on the score sheet in some way yesterday and so i was happy to see him get it and what a just a gorgeous ball across the the mouth of the goal yeah phenomenal phenomenal player um Chloe, just really briefly before we get on to our player of the match um, seg- segment, um, seven extra minutes at the end of the game yesterday. We we're ushering in this new era, I suppose, of the new rule of the referees adding on more time at the end of each half to, to, to accurately correspond with how much the ball's been out of play. Um, as a fan who was sat in the ground, seven extra minutes. How did you feel about that? Do you think it's a, a good step, a step in the right direction to stop teams like Aston Villa? Um, from time wasting from the fifth minute. Yeah, I mean, I do think something has to be done about all the time wasting because it, it frankly can be quite ridiculous. I remember Villa at home last year, um, time wasting from the first half, and it, it's just, it is, is a bit ridiculous. But then on the other hand, you don't want, you know, 15 minutes added on in total, really, in these games. Um I mean, ours wasn't too bad because I don't think there was that much time wasting. It was just mainly for sort of any stoppages and um, obviously things like the penalties. Um, Yeah, I was still a bit sort of like, oh, seven minutes. Where did that come from? Um, But it went quick enough anyway, especially once we got that fourth. Um, It was like, okay, yeah, we've won the game. Might as well just enjoy it what's left I think if we're one up by one goal and there's seven minutes left that can be a bit um sort of scary because you think that's seven minutes and it does go so slowly when you're sort of narrowly clinging on um but I I think something did need to be done about time wasting so I'm quite happy to see measures come in let's hope we still feel that positive after we've played the aforementioned Aston Villa um so let's talk about player of the match then. I mean, we, we ended the game 4-1. We hit the post three times. A, a very positive game. Areas of improvement, definitely, but a really positive game. But Joe, who for you stood out amongst the rest? There's one man and one man only. This is the only correct answer. Anyone else says anything different, I'll find you. James Milner. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. Um, I I thought he was playing like a 20-year-old a, a player, I think was what one of you guys said. And he's just done everything flawlessly. The way he reads the game, the way he talks to the players around him, he is unbelievably important for this team now. There, there is no one that can say to me he's finished, he's passed it, this, that, or the other. He is still a very, very, very capable Premier League player. Levels above most other players on that pitch yesterday. And yeah, very, very exciting. Very yeah, um, impressed. I, I, I was a little bit like, oh, James Milner coming in. Like, is he past it? He's proved me wrong fully. And yeah, I give him the Joe Sayers Player of the Match Award. You're welcome, James. <laughs> Uh, yes, young James Milner, a very exciting future ahead of him. Uh, Dagan, who got your player of the match? Well, there was a it was a three horse race uh, for me, and Milner was in that list, Joe. But you're going to have to come for me because I'm not going to give it to him. Because I think while his performance was great, I think it was great relative to our expectations of we've got a 37 year old guy starting, and he was tremendous. 
but I don't think he was our, our best player yesterday. Um, and I think you can make a case for Purvis, as I said earlier, but I'm ultimately, uh, the only thing that would have kept him from getting this is that missed opportunity early in the game in it, for Jao Pedro. Um, but again, when I, when I watched it back, I was like, he's just electric all the time. He causes problems. He drew the one pen. He could have drawn two others, potentially. Um, the goal that he missed early was arguably a pen. He you know, pulled himself back up off the ground and got in position to have that chance. A lot of players just would have you know, rolled around on the ground. The guy just does not stop. Um, I think there were probably many matches where I'll be saying this, but I just I couldn't let myself say otherwise. Jao Pedro is the man of the match. Very good. And, you know, good fighting for Jao Pedro's corner there. Uh, Chloe, who are you going to give it to? Um, Joe, you're not going to have to come for me because, yeah, I, I gave it to Milner as well. Um, I think he did a job in that right. I feel, think the main reason um, I really sort of noticed him was because I sit in the northwest corner and so a lot of the good stuff he was doing was sort of right in front of me. So maybe that factors into my decision a bit. Um, but, yeah, I just thought he looked really good um, and made some good moves and um, did a job at that right-back position. So, yeah. Fair fair. Joe, you're going to have to come for me. I think you guys already know who I'm going to say. So I've got to go. Like Chloe's, Chloe lives closer, so it would have been easier. But now I've got to go to Birmingham. Well, not Birmingham, but... It's the black somewhere. country, actually. Somewhere around there. And I've got to go to America, for goodness sake, guys. I know. On. You're going to be getting your miles in, boy. Um, I think you could probably already guess who I'm going to give it to. I'm going to give it to Purvis. I just, I just think he's such a good player. Um, I think there were some really good performances across the pitch. I think Milner definitely deserves a shout. Jao Pedro, excellent. Dahoud was good, you know. But for me, I'm going to have to give it to Purvis because he's just he's just so, so, so good. And, um, yeah, got the assist at the end as well. So my boy Purvis gets the man of the match from me. Um, so let's close the show then, guys, by talking about looking ahead to the next game, which I know Dagan's already been doing, um, looking ahead to Wolves. Now, Wolves, Joe, are a team who are in a bit of disarray at the moment. Uh, they sacked their manager. Well, I say they've sacked. They parted ways with their head coach last week, I think it was, and they've they've reinstated, uh, uh, I think they've reinstated, sorry, Gary O'Neill, the Bournemouth guy who was at Bournemouth last season. Their fans aren't the most optimistic about this coming season. Is this a chance, Joe, to you know, almost have a perfect start and get another victory on the board. A club in disarray, in need of positivity, with Brighton and Hove Albion visiting them. Uh, what could possibly <laughs> go wrong? 1-0 Wolves. Um, no, I I think we we have a very good opportunity to get six points on the board nice and early, set our um, president in stone and say... Brighton and Hove Albion are not here to take part again. We're here to compete again. Um, and I think it's a very good opportunity. I expect nothing less than three points. Um, and it's not something I would normally say because I'm normally quite sort of on the fence because I don't want to make myself look stupid. But I think anything less than three points um, would be disappointing, to say the least. Um, so, yeah, we go there um, and we give it to them and we make them even more upset with their football club. Sorry, Wolves fans. What what's your score prediction, Jeb? Oh, score prediction. Uh three nil Brighton. And we'll go with Jao Pedro scoring again. We'll go with Matoma to get on the score sheet, please. I think that'll give him some nice confidence. And Evan Ferguson. Very nice. I'll take that. Dagan, what are your thoughts ahead of the Wolves clash? So our our friendly, friendly, lovable wolves have signed three players and they have seen 14 leave the club so far this offseason. Um, they've lost their manager. Uh, they are a team tremendously in transition. And again, not all those players are, are you know, first team guys, but still, that's a that's a big exodus to not fill any of those holes. Um, you know, you could argue Nevis was their best player uh, last year and he's he's gone. Um, I, I just, I think that coming in, they look like one of the worst three teams. Um, I, I think 
I think they're worse than the team we played yesterday. Uh, I think there's a strong possibility of that. Um, yesterday, we, I think, had 15 shots on goal in the first half, and three were on target. Not great. In the second half, we had 12 shots on goal, nine of them on target. And I think if that team shows up, if the team that's putting that many shots on goal and puts more like the second half on target as percentage, uh, I think we're we're going to look like the team that we're supposed to look like. Um, I know you want a score prediction. And I said 4-1 this past week, and you guys thought I was overdoing it, but here we are, 4-1. And my debate right now is is between five and six for us and one and zero for them. Um, I'm going to be conservative and say five to one to the Albion. That's, that's fair. I mean, you know, a repeat of the six goal thriller we saw uh, at the Amex in the tail end of last season would be lovely. Um, Chloe, what's your score, predi- uh, score prediction ahead of the game at Wolves, which you are attending at the Molyneux? Yeah. Um, well, I've been to Molyneux three times and we've won every time. Um, so hopefully it'll be um, four before, um, and I'm going to go with a three nil win. I like it, and you know, Chloe, if we do win again, you're never not allowed to go to the Molyneux, which I'm really sorry about because it's Wolverhampton, and I apologise for the behalf of everyone on the Black Country about Wolverhampton. Um, but yeah, you're going to have to just go every time, every I single. I like time. going, you know. Good to see Brighton win. So yeah, I like I'll going because we win. Yeah, let's say that. We've got to keep it up. Um, I am not going to the Molyneux, which is ridiculous considering it's like 15 minutes away from me, but I couldn't get a ticket. It was gone. Was like you that. even born at the Golston, Tom? I know. Have Bingo a word with yourself, mate. Bingo Have a bloody game. word. I was just one of those ridiculous. people who went with Dean. What's that about? Um, I'm going to go. I think it's going to. I'm in line with Dagan on this one. I think we could go there and we could absolutely rinse them. Um, I'm going to go with five now. I'm going to go big because I genuinely, I mean, and you know me, I'm quite like level. I like thinking of myself as quite level headed, never too up here, never too down there. But I'm going to go with five now. I think Wolves are in a bit of a, a moment and my Wolves supporting friends are, as I say, they're not optimistic about this season at all. And I genuinely think if we turn up, we're just going to slice through them easy peasy. And this is the game where I really want Billy Gilmore to start because he will just have a field day pinging balls around in that midfield because they've lost their midfield general. The man who gets them ticking in the middle of the park, put Billy Gilmore in there and he will just run them ragged. It's going to, oh, I'm really looking forward to it. But now I've said five now, it's going to be announce one nil loss. I know, announce one nil loss. Shush. Shush. <laughs> uh, the negativity. Tom, no. Tom, I love it. I know, mate. You know, I it's, you know, it. it's good. You know, I feel confident when I'm saying five nil. Yeah, I, I genuinely, I, guys, I, I, I think it could be on and we'll go top of the table on goal difference. Come on. Let us know your thoughts, viewers, in the comment section down below. What did you make of the game against Luton Town? What did you make of the finishers? Evan Ferguson and Simon Dingle coming on to score in the second half. Also, let us know your score predictions and your player of the match as well. So, thank you very much for joining us. And thank you to Joe, Dagan and Chloe for joining us as well. Thank you for your input today, guys. It is a pleasure as always. All that's left for me to say is don't forget to like, share and subscribe for more content. If you haven't done so already, wherever you may be, whenever you may be. We will see you next time. Take care. Thanks, y'all.